0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of 1% Wiser. My name's Jamie Green, and my guest today is the wonderful Francesc Morales. Francesc is a writer, essayist, translator, and musician from Catalonia in Spain. He's perhaps most well-known for his 2016 best-selling book, Ikigai, subtitled The Japanese Secret to a Long and Happy Life which wrote with his friend Hector Garcia and which sold more than 1.5 million, yes, that's million, copies worldwide. His novels have also been translated into more than 20 languages. In our conversation today, we talk about the people of Okinawa and their secrets of living a long life. We talk about Blue Zones, the meaning of Ikigai, how to find your Ikigai, Viktor Frankl and Logotherapy, flow and multitasking, the concept of Wabi Sabi, plus many other topics besides. With many people around the world feeling anxious and depressed, understanding the elements that make for a long and fulfilling life have never been more important. So with that introduction, I hope you enjoy my conversation with Francesc Morales. I'm here today with uh, Francesc Morales. Francesc, thank you so much for joining me and welcome to the show.
1: It's a pleasure to be here with you. Thank you.
0: Thank you. So you have written this wonderful best selling book, Ikigai, which is absolutely packed with wisdom and something I think is bound to change anyone's life if they read it, because there's something for everybody. But before we get to the get to the book, I'd love to hear you're originally from Catalonia, is that right?
1: Oops. This is a book written by two authors. Thor comes from Valencia, he's an engineer. He has worked in the CERN in and he lives in Japan since almost twenty years. So I live in Barcelona, Catalonia. And then We met each other in Tokyo and we became friends. And this book is the result of a project of uh, going to the village of the centenarians to interview the hundred people eldest in town to know their secrets for a long life. And it's the, the beginning, the beginning of everything was a trip and some kind of field camp for anthropologists. And then we wrote the book.
0: Right. So it's in it's centered around the village in Okinawa, is that correct?
1: Yes. Yeah. When we see Japan in the map, sometimes we think that it's a small country, but it, it is not. Actually the distances are, are very high. From Tokyo to Okinawa, you mm-hmm. need around three hours by plane to go there. And actually Okinawa, the climate has more to do with Philippines or Hawaii than with Tokyo or Osaka, it's a quite different place with differently made, different language even, because it's, right. it's a very strong dialect. And we were lucky that he's married to a Okinawan woman and he can speak the dialect. So we could understand everything that was there in the interviews and right. translate it in the end.
0: Right. I was, so that, I was very curious about that, how you actually ended up in, in Okinawa. But that, that sort of answers that, <laughs> that question. And Okinawa, as, as far as I understand, is, is one of the so-called blue zones. Is that is that right? The,
1: the blue zone, number one. So when the, the book about the blue zones appeared, there were two blue zones in Europe, one in South Italy, another in a Greek island, two in America, one in California and one in Central America. But the number one is Okinawa, and that's curious because Okinawa actually is the poorest part of Japan. is the is the place with lower salaries, lowest salaries, with less infrastructures, with less opportunities for jobs, and also is a place which during the war were 100,000 killed people, a lot of suicides. So it didn't seem that it was a ideal place to be blue zone number one, a, a place to live, because it's not only that they live long, but right. they live happily and they live with a lot of energy. They are, are people extremely active. Because of that, we were interested in knowing them, to, to know what were which were the factors that made this blue zone number one and, and what can we learn from them.
0: Right and sorry w- w- before we go on what do we mean by blue zones blue zones are the blue zones it's a
1: model of places in which it's much easier than in the rest of the world to become hundred so they have things in common the five blue zones and and i guess that after the pandemics it should be studied again because maybe some places that were blue zones if we measure what happened how many people died from COVID, maybe, maybe this ranking would change. But actually, what have in common all these five places of, uh, of the Blue zone? that are small places, villages in which people knew each other, they have a very strong community sense, the, nobody is alone and you work with your neighbors and you eat with them and you celebrate with them. Second, these are places without stress and without technological stress. The first time we were in Ogimi, we couldn't even read our WhatsApps because there was no signal. So it's quite an analogic. Third, they eat things that they cultivate in the place. So it's also very organic, very natural, they very biological, the, the way of nurturing themselves. And fourth, they are outside most of the day, working in the, in the fields, in the garden, being together, and because of that, they have good chronobiology. So the inner clocks are perfectly adjusted to the life clock, that is the movement of the sun.
0: Right, right. So there's a lot of different elements there, and and we it, just to understand then this concept of ikigai. Is ikigai all of these concepts together, or is it specifically? Ikigai
1: is one of the concepts? One Actually, of the concepts. Right. When we were in Okinawa. Before starting with interviews, we had five, six months to read scientific papers, books, uh, interviews, different things that have been done there. For instance, the Okinawa diet is very famous, and there are doctors who go all around the world explaining it. Mm. And then we saw which factors were important for this longevity. First is what in Japanese is called harahachibu. It means uh, the law of 80%. So you must eat a little less of the hunger you have. So if you could eat five little dishes, you eat only four and you keep a bit of hunger for tomorrow, for tonight. And this this has proved to be very important for the possibility of becoming 100 because people eating always a bit less than they would eat. There are some papers which say that you can Enlarge your life eight, ten years. This is one thing. Wow. Second, to have a very strong social network, but a real social network, not the social media. People who you can touch, who you can talk with, you can share a table. And this is also very important because in Spain, there was a study done in the main cities and they were measuring loneliness of the old people and mortality. And they, the statistics said in the end that all people living alone in a small apartment in front of TV with a very sedentary life, this heals as much as smoking 18 cigarettes a day. So, and these people in Okinawa are not alone, they are in community. Third, they move their body. They are always working, walking, being in the field, being in the garden. They are outside. And then, when we were interviewing them, all of them said that they had an Ikigai, and we came to the concept that is the title of the book. The word Ikigai is formed by two Japanese terms. iki means life. Gai means worth doing something. So the lit- literally, it would be translated as life worth being lived. So a life with purpose, a life with meaning. And that's the reason why these people are so happy to live always one day, one day more because they have activities they have something that is very meaningful for them and it fills the day with the happiness and with contents, actually
0: right yeah when i when i first heard when i first was reading your book i thought i sort of was thinking ikigai this this need to to kind of have this meaning of of life or the meaning to to get up and do things and i thought Myself, gosh, that, that's putting quite a lot of pressure on it, right? If you, you, know, if you don't find your ikigai, then oh. yeah, what happens, right? But, but, but actually, maybe it's not quite. You no, said it can be something much more simple.
1: This is interesting what you say. If you don't have an ikigai, you saw that in our book, we dedicated a whole chapter to Viktor Frankl because he's the founder of logotherapy, that is the right. therapy of the meaning of life. And he had many patients who came to the consultation, to the praxis. And said, I don't have nothing to do. I don't have motivation. I don't have a special talent. I don't have a plan. And then what he said was, if you don't have a purpose in your life, your purpose should be to find your purpose. This is a purpose itself. Actually, if you don't have an Ikigai, your Ikigai can be searching for that. And sometimes this is more exciting Hmm. than finding it. Uh, It happens with trips. When you are... Preparing a trip, sometimes it's funnier what you're exploring I right. will go here, there, than when you are there. <laughs> so the yeah. Ikigai happens to say, if you don't have an Ikigai, you can put a first Ikigai in your map, and that is searching the way to find you. And, and we can talk about that if you want, uh, the different ways we have to discover our purpose.
0: Yeah, I'd lo- let, let's come to that in a minute. But I'd, I'd also like to just... Do- just to reiterate something i think that came to me in your book as well which is some of the people you were talking about this ikigai could be something as simple as as gardening you know they have a have a gar- have their own garden and they work in the garden every day so mm-hmm. i i think that for, the way i read it and thinking about there's in the west there's often a lot of pressure to find your passion right and when we're talking especially about careers and work People feel very pressured, like, I have to do what I'm passionate about, you know, and and I think that that can put a huge amount of pressure on, like, oh, you have to find this perfect job, but at the end of the day, there are many jobs that maybe you aren't passionate about, but still, p- people need to do them, people need to, to eat, people need to, to work, so... What I took from your from your from the book was was that actually it doesn't have to be something it doesn't have to be this this really pressured thing you have to get perfectly right in your life. It can be something quite simple like gardening or something. Yes. yeah.
1: It's normal that uh, when we were asking all these people in Okinawa what is Yurikigai? this is a little village, agricultural village where they work, they have fruit trees, citrix, they, they, they work with that. So in this kind of place, They won't answer that my Ikigai is fine arts or it's cinema because there is nothing like that there. But if we ask for this same question in a city, what is your Ikigai? We will gather many more different answers. So maybe it has to do with arts, with some personal skill with something hum- humanitarian, working in an NGO, having a project. Maybe is a an startup. There are many people who have an official job. And besides, they have a startup, a project, a blog, a podcast, everything. Something that is alternative in the beginning, but that maybe with the years, in five, six, seven years, can be your main activity. So, But actually, yes, your guy can be your garden, or if you are father right now, maybe it, it is your baby, and it will change in a couple of years. Mm.
0: Right, so it can change over time as well, right? It can, it can be can different times, Actually, yeah. it's interesting that the, the
1: founder of Anthroposophy, this German thinker Rudolf Steiner, he said that human life changes radically every seven years. So from zero to seven, you are the little child. From seven to 14, you are coming to the teenage age, and then you discover sexuality and new things appear. From 14 to 21, you are defining your career, your studies. So it's normal that we change priorities because we change ourselves. But there are differences. There are people who can keep the same ikigai all their lives. That's typical, for instance, from doctors, people Mm. from the sanitary world, or maybe somebody that is very religious and dedicates his or her whole life to meditate or to something related with spirituality. But it's also very common that you take a pathway and after five, six, seven years, you are uh, bored with that. You feel that you have given everything you had and you need to start something new so nothing then from one ikigai to the next one it's possible that you have to cross a desert in which you don't know exactly what you do but you you are exploring that and so you are in in the way anyway
0: yeah that definitely resonates with me i i feel like i'm somebody who really they they want to try everything (laughs) you know i have this great i want i want to do everything and and try everything which does make it uh challenging and i enjoy so many things in life that many many things i would say give me different give me meaning but it does make it harder to focus on different things but for those people you know just to come back to what you mentioned before i'm sure many people have asked you since you wrote this book like how how do i find my ikigai like and yes. you, you said before you know you had some thoughts on that so i'd love to hear what what you know if somebody comes to you and just say i feel very lost you know, you talked about Viktor Frankl and his advice for for that your Ikigai can be finding your Ikigai or, or you know, your meaning in that. But do you one, have...
1: one thing you have just said, trial yeah. and mistake. The, the system of the science, if you are doing nothing, Ikigai is not going to come to you. You need to, to move on and try new things. And it means exploring new activities, knowing new people, traveling, maybe, when you are traveling, you you see different ways of living. And maybe you're in a train and there is a photographer there or there is an artist or there is a journalist. And then you you are getting to know new ways of life, new looks. So this would be a very practical method. Open your anthems and start trying new things to see if something resonates to you in a special way. Another way, very easy, would be to examine your flow. We dedicate a, a chapter to the flow of and Mihai, And this is the state of mind in which you are totally absorbed by an activity. So when you are doing something and you forget totally about the time, you don't think of the past, you don't think of the future, you are not worried, you are totally fusionated with that activity. This is a state of flow and it can be a clue that is this, this is Yuriki guy. And for instance in the movie of Pixar Soul, this jazz piano man he is in flow when he's with his instrument and he's improvisate uh, improvising some new song. So this is another way to know you the problem nowadays is that people have many more interests than 50 years ago. When I was 17 and I was going, trying to to know what to do in university, maybe we had 30 options, 30 different studies. Now you have 3,000. Everything is so, there are so many opportunities that you can come into paralysis by analysis. So what you could do is to do a ranking of activities that you love and put from one to 10 the level of flow that is given to you. And go for the first one and try to to know if it's this. Another way would be to measure what is your element, what Sir Ken Robinson said in his book, that the water is the element for the fish, but every human being has an element, a situation, an activity, an environment in which you feel strong, you feel comfortable to do that, and you are good to do that. And so... For some people, their element can be working in an office, being together with other people, coordinating, motivating. For other ones, maybe their element is being alone, creating something to give it afterwards to society. So it's important to to ask yourself, what is your element? Where do you feel better? Where do you feel more more, more, more creative or more stronger? And then it's also what Randy Pausch said, In his conference, The Last Lesson, he said he was a professor of the University Carnegie Mellon and he gave a very famous conference some months before dying called The Importance of Accomplishing Your Child Dreams, something like that. And he said that when you are really lost in life and you think that you feel that you have lost your way, your track, you you should revisit your childhood. And remember who you were because children are naturally linked to Ikigai. They are doing what they love. They, they don't have filters as adults have. So maybe you can remember who were you as an adult? What were your dreams? What do you, what did you want to do? And from there you can. Recover something that can be important for you. That's
0: a, that's a great point. I wanted to be a fighter pilot, so I think it might be I too think. late for that. So,
1: okay. <laughs> fighter pilot.
0: Yeah, or pilot, pilot. I think. Then <laughs> first
1: thing to see Top Gun Maverick.
0: Yeah, exactly. I need to see that. I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> yeah. have, you, have you seen it? Yes, it, for me, it's much better than the first one. Ah, okay. Yeah, I really it's need to. Very, good. very you good. Go and see that. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and so. You know, the other thing I was thinking is, you know, those are some fantastic ideas. I was recently reading. I'm not sure if you know the work of Cal Newport. Do you, have you heard of heard of Cal Newport? No. What what is this? Cal Newport. He's an author and he's a computer scientist. And he has uh-huh. uh, he he has a book called "So Good They Can't Ignore You," which is kind of a, a another. It's a it's a book about. He has many books around kind of career and around work, and like he has other books around sort of how how email has taken over life and things like this but one one of his conceptions is that you know basically that you shouldn't follow your passion that you should try to become really really good at something that is valuable to to society and then you will you know through doing that you will you will kind of you will find a a good career and things like this so i was kind of thinking about that in contrast to ikigai and whether or whether there is really a contrast there, maybe, maybe there isn't. Maybe you know, following your passion, you mm-hmm. know, maybe f- developing skills that are very useful it, it can also be one way to find your ikigai. I'm not sure.
1: Yes, because one problem that many people have is the multitasking. Mm-hmm. When you are trying to do many things at the same time, <coughs> you lose power, you lose focus. So, uh, if you want, if uh, at, in the end of the year you make a list of things you are going to do and you want to be in the gym and learning French and playing piano and writing this and doing that, you are not going to be excellent in any of these things. So it's important what this author says, that you must find what is special in you, something that you can do very well, and put all your energy or all your free time there. Actually, the book of Malcolm Gladwell uh, outfitters, uh, Outliers. Outliers, yeah. yeah. In Spanish, uh, it has a very different name.
0: <laughs> it <laughs> says
1: that you need to invest 10,000 hours in something to be yeah. a master. So you should find something that is that gives you so much pleasure that you can give all this time. And, and then, for sure, you, you can reach a very interesting point of mastery. But if you are trying to progress in four, five, six then you will be always in the middle of the pathway to excellence
0: right so i think that that is that's fantastic so when we think about you know coming back to okinawa and the the elements that made up these the the lives of these centenarians was there any you know you have some fantastic interviews in the book But was there any that really stood out to you or any that you always are thinking about in the, now that it's been a few years since you wrote this book, is there one person that Mm -hmm. you think back to and think, wow, she was, or he was very special person. I'm so happy I got to talk to this person.
1: Actually, all of them were very interesting, but what was shocking for us is that five years after, we came back to Ogimi with National Geographic. Now it's, it has been broadcasted in Spain and I think it will come to other countries in the next month. It's a documentary called Longevity, the Science of Life. And we went back with the team of National Geographic and we discovered that all these people were still alive. That, that, that was one thing, five years after. And we were, I was impressed by a man who was 108 year years old and we find we found him working in the garden watering the trees and he gave us fruit he was telling jokes explaining many things about what he did when he became 100 and I was impressed by this man that he he was so active and with so much good humor and so i think that coming back to our book Two secrets of for a long life or nurturing Yuriki guy is never retiring. So you, you must keep on being active in what you love and having social life. If you are talking with other people, talking with younger people that can give you fresh ideas, then you will have always curiosity and energy to go on a little more.
0: Right, right. What uh, I think I know may know the answer to this, but I'd love to hear what you consider your ikigai. And maybe this has changed or maybe not. I'm, I'm curious to hear. Yes,
1: I have had different ikigais through life. When I was 19, 20 until 27, I didn't know what to do with my life. Then my only ikigai was traveling. It was the only thing that I could consider a passion. And because of that, I stayed very long in university, like 10, 11 years, because I was quitting a semester, coming back. I was working in very simple jobs, like a pizzeria and a bar, a camping, uh, I don't know. Uh, and then I was gathering a, a bit of money and going two, three months, four months to some project. So my first guy was traveling. My second Ikigai, after finishing the, the, the study of German literature, I was teaching German in different schools. And it was an Ikigai during two, three years. But then I discovered that I didn't have enough vocation to repeat year after year the same content because I was working always with beginners. So I got bored and I changed. Then I had an Ikigai of translator. I was translating books during two, three years of my life. Then I had an ikigai of of editor, publisher. I worked in a publishing company also three, four years. Then I had an ikigai of writer, and I was writing a lot. Nowadays, writing is maybe what I do in 10, 20% of my life, but I spend more time giving conferences or giving interviews or writing articles, maybe. So I would say that nowadays... My ikigai is helping other people to find their ikigai.
0: That's fantastic. What a, what, a, what a gift to the world. Are there any other, you, you, you know, you, there's some fantastic things you've learned, obviously, from, from this experience. Have you been to any of the other blue zones?
1: Not yet, but yeah. I would love to. Yeah. Especially Greece, because I love Greece. I, I, I know many islands, but I think the one quoted in the blue zone is Ikaria, and I haven't been in this one. Actually, it's called also the, the Island of the Centenarians. So it has a similar name. Than, or give me, and I would love to go there. And actually, in, any, in, in every country, there is some region or some park with very old people. In Spain, yeah. in the center of the country, Castilla, mm-hmm. there are the rural villages where only four or five people are remaining there. Places where they have animals, cows, pigs, maybe some cultivations and in these little villages of five six people there are many centenarians because they have a similar way of life than the one in ogimi and in the other blue zones so actually every country has little blue zones
0: right are there any other japanese concepts that you learned or that you yeah, have many <laughs> you, actually
1: yeah. <laughs> And before writing Ikigai, I was writing novels about Japan. I was writing articles. I, I always love to study the Japanese traditional arts and the Zen philosophy. And so we can mention two, three concepts more that are interesting for everyone. One is wabi-sabi. This is a very beautiful concept. It's translated as the beauty of imperfection. And wabi-sabi is a central concept in Japanese aesthetics because we think that Japanese are perfectionists that they are but actually they know that perfection is impossible and so because of that a very good Japanese piece of pottery or a cup or a bowl sometimes it's broken or it has an even shape or something and that's because they think that beautiful is only that what is similar to nature. And in nature, nothing is perfect. Nothing is straight. Everything is curved. In nature, nothing is finished. Everything is changing all the time and dying and being reborn. And nothing is forever. So this is the, the main keys into this wabi-sabi look into life. So when you put the wabi-sabi philosophy to your life, then if you can see that you are not perfect and the others are not perfect, then you can have better relationships and you can have an acceptance and a more true love of who is the person you have in front of you instead of trying to change him or change her. That this is one main problem of couples. Couples fight very often because you would like that your couple is in a different way as he or she is. And this is not true love. True love comes from acceptance. And wabi-sabi has a lot to do with that. Then, if you know that nothing is finished, then you can be like this man who is 108, that you can always learn, learn something new, always do something different. Yeah. And we have examples. I, I love these English, uh, English expressions of the late bloomers. Because there are people that have come to Cambridge and Oxford with almost 100 years old. And in America, there was a a novelist who wrote his first novel being almost 100. And he was kept on writing until 104. So this is another concept. And when you know that you are not being here forever, then you give more value to time. And then you are not going to lose it Watching series or movies that are not meaningful for you, being in parties or being with compromises or with people that are not nurturing your knowledge or your happiness. So this wabi-sabi way of life, I think, is very useful too. Then there is something that many people know that is the case. Sorry,
0: just before you go on, <laughs> I just wanted to say I, I absolutely love this concept of the Wabi Sabi okay. as well, and I, I especially love. You've probably seen that you mentioned those the bowls or that that the get broken, and I I thought you can maybe correct me if this is wrong, but that they sometimes would break bowls on purpose, and then they fix <laughs> them with with gold. I don't know if you've seen this, where they get they, they use gold. This is uh, called kintsugi. Yes, kintsugi. sorry, yeah. I didn't know
1: that they break it in purpose because maybe, maybe is, I'm wrong. If, if you live, no, maybe it's possible that some artists break it. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, that can work with with the gold. Yeah, actually, correct. it's very interesting. The kintsugi it comes from China, like many things that are famous in Japan, but they have done it in a different way with this gold powder, and actually there is a very deep philosophy under kintsugi. So aesthetically, what you see is that you have a, a ball and this is broken. And then instead of throwing it to the rubbish, then you take this this gold powder and, and you recompose the object. And this object is uh, much more valuable than before because it, it, it has a history. But the, the idea of kintsugi is also to be understood for people, for our biographies. When you are talking with somebody who never suffered, who never had an accident, who never failed, this is a, a a very little interesting story. You you couldn't do a book, a movie about this person. But when you have had conflicts, you have had difficulties in your life, then you have a story. Maybe your heart has been broken many times, and you have a lot of experience, you can understand. Other people who is suffering, you can help in many other ways, and that's the kintsugi way of life applied to see psychology.
0: Yeah, that's a great philosophy to keep in mind, especially if you're going through a period of suffering, or you know, you're you feel like things are not working. You can kind of use this philosophy and, and look at your life. And say, well, you know, it will it will make a good story, or I will learn from this experience, and you know, and and also the concept of wabi sabi that there is no. There's this thing as perfection in life, as you say.
1: Yes, that's it. And then it's very well known the Kaizen, that is the doing something smaller every day to have a constant progress instead of trying to to do a lot of things in a weekend and then you don't do anything else. And so putting one person, like your program, a 1% of progress every day. And then in 100 days, you are much further away from that. And in the end, we could mention another expression that is very beautiful, that is Ichigo Ichie. This is an expression that belongs to the Chanoyu, to the tea ceremony. And if you go to to Japan, in the traditional tea houses, you can find a piece of wood with these two kanjis. Ichigo Ichie, it means one time, one opportunity, but actually the, the meaning is what we are going to do now it won't be repeated again. So that every occasion is unique and the people who gather around the table, maybe they can meet again in the same place, but they will be different. You won't find these same people because priorities will be, will have changed and many things. And so when you go to, to the Chanoyu, to the tea ceremony, this Ichigo Ichie message is like an alert for everyone to be focused, to be mindful in what they are going to do so that they can take this hour that we are sharing for a future memory of something that is very precious
0: for you. Right. That's a fantastic point. Yeah, there's so many... So, i I'm fascinated by the philosophy of, of japan and i've never been there but i'd hope to go I in at can some point. go
1: in future when they open doors again
0: <laughs> absolutely i' i'm i really would like to and yeah are there any other are there any other changes that you made personally in your life from this experience of writing this book and of spending time there are there any particular you know changes that you made or habits or or things that you've you've done yeah, so
1: I, I would say first thing that when we were in nogimi we understood that happiness has a lot to do with simple life, with minimalism. That's how we we are leveling it right now. That the less things you have, the less activities and the less focuses you have, the easier it is to be happy. Because the problem of modern life is that we want to do too many things. And we have an agenda that it, it looks like the agenda of a minister. And you you never have free spots to, to improvise, to discover things, to get inspiration. Because we are always with a constant noise and running from here to there. So we learned that if we could simplify our lives, it would be easier to be happy and to be in balance and to have better health and to have less anxiety. This was one thing. And the second thing we learned was The importance of working for your purpose every day, even if you are working in something that is right now not so meaningful for you, keep one hour, two hours a day to do that thing that you love. And it's like taking energy extra so that you can have motivation and maybe one day this thing that you are cultivating day by day with a Kaizen point of view, it can be the center of your life.
0: That's fantastic. Fantastic advice. Yeah, it's really fantastic. Thank you. And we are, unfortunately, we are, of course, coming slightly towards the end of our, our time here, Frances. and I want to just thank you again thank for, very much. for all the time you've spent today. I do have one last question for you. And, and of course, as an author, I can't let you go without asking you about books and specifically, you know, if there are Books or that you would that you gift frequently, or as there any oh, any book that I, you? I, yeah.
1: I can tell you some books I have given as a present many times. One is right now difficult to find in Spain, but it's very famous in in England and the United States because it's an initiatic novel. It's The Magus of John Fowles. This is the most important book I've read in my what life. What is that
0: called? Sorry, the, the The Magus. Magus. The Magus of
1: John Fowles. Okay. John Foles is a, a, a British author. This is one. Another book that I have... Sorry, you said
0: that was the most important book you've read in your it's, it's life? It's a novel.
1: It's a novel, but okay. it's a philosophical novel with a lot of ideas for me. It, it moved many things inside me in that time. And then Man's Search of a Meaning of Viktor Frankl is also an important book that I have recommended a lot. And I would say uh, from recent books... There is a very nice essay of a Dutch author that in English is called Humankind. And this is a beautiful history of how the the good deeds also made life as, as it is now. Because normally, history books are focused in words, in negative facts. But humankind shows how kindness is the natural state of human being and proves it with a a lot of of papers and and experiments and discussing many ideas that are negative and that we have about our species. So I would recommend also this Humankind. The author is Roger Brennan, something like that. And this is a book that I have given as a present to many friends in the last months.
0: Fantastic. My guest today has been Frances Morales. Frances, thank you so much for being part of 1% Wiser. Thank you very Wiser. Much. Thank James.
1: You. And it, it has been a, a very big pleasure to be with you in this conversation.
0: Thank you. I want to thank you all, dear friends, for listening and being part of this. This has been 1% Wiser, and I was your host, Jamie Green.